Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما بعد. So on Friday nights we've been going through this book right here, which is Treatise for the Seekers of Guidance. It's a translation uh, of a work in Arabic, رسالة المسترشدين. Uh, this is written by one of the earliest scholars to write exclusively on spirituality, and what we're really trying to explore. Um, are the foundations of Islamic spirituality, the foundational concepts that relate to it. And so today we've reached a section where the author is saying, He says, humble yourself before the truth and make yourself subservient to it. And so what the author is saying, number one, we have to start by even acknowledging that the truth is important. Even before we start talking about humbling ourselves before the truth. The idea that we would live our lives in pursuit of the truth, that's taken for granted by the author's statement. But we could start there. Because maybe it's not you know, correct to assume that everybody has prioritized the truth in their lives. Y'all get what I'm coming from? Any ideas of what that might look like? Why would someone potentially not prioritize the truth with a capital T in their lives? What are some reasons? Anyone? Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. So in essence, what are they prioritizing above the truth? Comfort. Their own comfort. Right. Okay, what else? And, and why would it be uncomfortable? You're not off the hook yet. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would it be uncomfortable? Maybe there's just more comfortable things. Okay. Like what about the truth would make them uncomfortable? It's hard. It's hard. In what sense? Requires discipline. Requires discipline. It requires some form of change. Right? When you realize that this is the truth. Oh, so I just can't keep doing what I was doing? I gotta change how I am or what I do? Ah, inertia is a powerful force. People don't want to change. Change is uncomfortable. Change is foreign. Right, you had your hand up? So um, they have to face like their weaknesses and to mm. up They'll have to admit that up until now they haven't been on the truth, at least in that aspect of their life. So it means like, I'm 30 years old, example, and I'm like, oh, 30 years I've been wrong. That's tough. That's hard. So I, then what are we prioritizing? When we say that, hey, I've been doing this for 30 years, I can't change now, like, I've come this far, you know, sunk cost fallacy, like, I've come this far now. So what are we prioritizing here? Pride. In a sense, pride. This idea that, I don't want to admit I'm wrong, <coughs> 30 years of being wrong, and then telling people around you that, oh, by the way, I'm <coughs> wrong about that. Do you know what I'm saying? That's hard. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't go on that they say the truth hurts. The truth hurts. <laughs> Subhanallah. And what do they say about ignorance? It's bliss. Subhanallah. Why is ignorance bliss? 
Yeah. yeah. Because what you don't know can't hurt you. Because what you don't know can't hurt you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Until you learn about it. Until you learn about it. Now here's the question though. Do we want to live a lie? Even the possibility that we might be living a lie, does that not keep us up a little bit? Because deep down, I think as human beings, there's this desire that we be people of truth. That we're not living a lie. I mean, that would be a major accusation, right? That I think would offend any of us. If someone told you, yeah, you're living a lie. You'd be like, man, listen, I'm, I'm not perfect, man, but how are you going to say that about me? That, that's a big accusation. Okay. Now, the capital T, truth. Oftentimes, we can prioritize other things because of our nafs, our desires, that comfort, that pride, the ego, um, and then, or, 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 or yeah, like the, the idea that I'm going to have to change. All these things can prevent us from changing or being even open to change. What else would prevent a person for, from uh, searching for the truth? Yeah. Stigma. Stigma. Tell me more about that. Some things are like frowned upon. Right. Some things are frowned upon. So, if you were to seek out that truth and then try to live according to it, other people might get offended. And other people might get upset that, hey, you're going to ruin the family's reputation. Or are you going to do this? And there's a stigma about it, either in the society or the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? You guys remember, like, maybe some act of religion, religious, like, like ostensible religious practice you tried to do, and maybe you had a family member push back and say, listen, just chill out. We're not that religious. Like, you don't need to do all that. Just be a good person, pray at home in the room, but you don't have to do all that stuff. And it makes them uncomfortable. And I was talking to somebody recently, and she wanted to wear hijab. And she was saying how her mother... Her mother was pushing back a little bit. And part of the reason why the mother was pushing back was that, well, people are going to say that the daughter wears hijab and the mother doesn't. And so it's like, subhanAllah, she's trying to do the right thing as the daughter. She's trying to do the right thing, but someone else is becoming uncomfortable. Right? And there's this, what are people going to say now? And that makes it hard. That makes it hard for the daughter not to do that. Right? Stigma. What's another reason? Another, I'm looking for one in particular. Yeah. I'd like to just share something from the Bible. Uh, like many people in here would never know this. But yeah. we talk about how the corruption in the Bible. And right. that, it goes exactly with what you're talking about. Are you able to summarize it? <clears throat> Very quickly. Yeah, yeah. The Messiah is talking to the people about casting demons. Uh -huh. And this line has been removed from the Bible. Many Bibles, this does not exist. It goes from Matthew 17, 20 to 22. 21 does not exist. But it says, How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. By praying and correcting what you did. Mm -hmm. That isn't, that's some of the corruption we speak about. Right. But it talks about, it kind of fits in with, truth and like this was removed mm -hmm. but it's true right okay you yeah know, and, but that 
requires conviction. That requires everything you're talking about. Right, admitting that it's been removed and admitting that it's... And that the only way to cast demons is by praying mm -hmm. and stopping what you're doing. Right, so changing your ways. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's hard. Right. Changing ways is hard, absolutely. What's another reason why we don't pursue the truth? I'm looking for one in particular. Yeah. Embarrassment, yeah, okay, it can be embarrassing to again admit that you're wrong or that you don't know what the truth is, right? A lot of times we struggle to ask a question because people are going to look at us and be like, you don't know that? Like my little brother knows that, you don't know that? And we have that kind of fear, right? Um, and that's why we're meant to create spaces where people are com can comfortably ask. Yeah? Uh, because we're comfortable. We're comfortable, right, that's another one, yeah? Right, but what would prevent someone from not even doing that to begin with? Yeah. Maybe resources, like they don't have reliable Okay, resources. yeah, resources, resources. I feel like a school teacher who's just like trying to get the answer and no one's giving it. <laughs> uh, it's not your fault, I must be asking the question wrong. Yeah. Uh, illusion. Illusion, tell me more. Uh, just being under the illusion that I'm perfect. Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You don't search for what you think you already have. You don't search for what you think you already have. We would not seek the truth if we believe we already have the truth. Do you understand? And Allah is the truth. One of Allah's names is Al-Haq, the true, the real. And He's the only true reality. All, all the, Our realities are dependent on Allah's reality who brought us into existence. Without Allah, we would not be here. And so we're only here because Allah brought us here. Our reality is deficient in relation to God's reality. And then as humans who are fallible, there's a constant need to re-evaluate what we believe. To not be complacent Believing that I already know it all. There's nothing left for me to know. And that what I have is absolutely correct and cannot possibly be wrong. We're not prophets. We do not re receive revelation from God. Now, you might say, well, what are you trying to say? Like, I should not believe in Allah or something? That's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to begin to search for the truth, and it could be searching for the truth at different levels. Like you might know the truth that God exists and that He created you and sent you here and that He sent a prophet, the final prophet Muhammad. You might know that at like a surface level, but you could learn about that at a deeper and deeper and deeper level. You could deepen your conviction in it. You could deepen your understanding of it. And the simplest way to understand this is that the Qur'an, the book of Allah, is a book that nobody can ever claim they fully understand. Because that would be claiming that you fully understand God's revelation. As though your knowledge of God's revelation <coughs> is equal to God's. No, it's not. Nobody's is. Does that make sense? And so there's always something more to learn. That's why one of the few things that we find Allah commanding the Prophet Muhammad to ask for an increase in, in the Qur'an is knowledge. وَقُلْ 
Rabbi zidni ilma. Oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. You would seek an increase if you acknowledge your deficiency. If we acknowledge our deficiency, only then will we go out to seek and increase. Right? And so that's the foundation here. The author says here, you must search for the truth. For all of us, we have a set of core beliefs. A set of core beliefs. And that could be arguably what lies at the core of who we are. The beliefs that we hold about ourselves, about the world, about other people, about life. What are those core beliefs? And how are you confident that your beliefs are true? And that they're accurate? Now some people, some people don't ask those questions. Some people just worship and they do their thing, right? Like many of our parents maybe, or grandparents. Have you ever growing up asked your parent a question that they said, Astaghfirullah, how dare you ask that question? La hawla, we don't do that. And you were forbidden from asking such questions. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right? We, you can't ask those questions. Because for them, it's just so inconceivable that like, why would you ask that? Meanwhile, you're, you're just curious. You're just trying to figure it out. It doesn't make sense to you. So you're like, okay, but why? And then them shutting you down can actually further create what? Doubt. Oh, they don't have an answer to this. Oh, maybe there's no answers. Right? Um... You know, I remember meeting somebody who said, like, I have such questions that no scholar can ever answer. I said, oh, mashallah. Dude was in first year university? I said, oh, right. <laughs> mashallah, my guy's seen life, you know? Yeah. Um, people say stuff like that, right? Illusion of, like, how much you know. And we're meant to be humble about this. Now, you're not required to go and search for, like, evidence and proof of everything to the deepest level. That's not a requirement. Not everyone does that. Like if, I, if we were to ask some of our parents why they believe in God, they could probably not give you this elaborate, detailed, theological argument. Right? To them it's just like, then who brings up the sun? Hmm? Who brings up the sun? You're like, okay, I get it. that's enough for you. Right? To them it's like, the sun is brought up by God. That's it. End of story. And any further nuance is just not welcome. But for some... For some, especially as you, you know, study different subjects and you're exposed to different ideas and different beliefs, naturally questions arise. And then people can go through different phases in relation to that, um, to, to, the, to that exposure. So some could actually shy away and be like, yeah, you know, astaghfirullah, like, I don't know why I have these questions, I shouldn't have these I must be a terrible Muslim. Right? Because none of my friends ask these questions and I'm the only one who seems to be wondering about is this true or not. And others might just hide it. Others might go and try to ask in the YouTube comment section or something, right? People have different things. Um, the Quran advises us to look for people of knowledge and ask them. People of knowledge. And that doesn't just mean people who, you know, abstractly claim knowledge, but people who live according to it. <coughs> People who live according to those beliefs. And to ask them, to ask them um, about, about what we, what the questions that we have. And the hope is that someone who is truly a person of knowledge would be open to you asking those questions. 
Why? Because asking the question is not a problem. If anything, asking the question is an avenue to deeper conviction. It's an avenue to deeper conviction. And, you know, sometimes parents get worried about kids when they start asking questions. I don't know what happened to him or her. They just, now they're asking a lot of questions. It's not a bad thing. The door's open now, because now it's called in Arabic, talab. A, a desire to know has been created. And so now if they're given that knowledge, they will be very receptive to it. As opposed to somebody who's not even asking the question. And so when someone tells them, they're like, I don't even know why you're telling me that. Like, I don't care about that. Right? It means a lot more to somebody who has a question. And so to search for the truth and to be humble enough to recognize that there's always more to know. And there's a dua from, from the, the, the salaf and the, the pious of the past, which was, Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan. Oh Allah, show us the truth as the truth. Show us the truth. You know, because you, you could find the truth, but not accept it as the truth. You could see it and be like, nah, nah it's not my thing. Uh, the dua says, Oh Allah, show us the truth as the truth. Like, allow us to see it as the truth. And grant us the ability to follow that truth. Grant us the ability to follow that truth. Because that's the next step. The first step is to identify what the truth is. Okay, now I know what the truth is. But you still might not follow it. For all the reasons that we talked about. <coughs> Right? Why, why would someone know something and not do it? Why would someone know something and not do it? And I'm speaking in third person, but we could all just ask ourselves. Why is it that we know so much, but maybe our actions don't really align with all that we know? How many of y'all would say, if your actions aligned with everything you knew about Islam, that you would be like a way better person? It's pretty crazy, right? How many things we know to be true? To be correct. And yet, we struggle when it comes to, to the behaviors. That's why it's not enough to know the words of religion. <coughs> what do I mean by the words of religion? You can know a hadith. It's not enough to just know the hadith. It's also important that we submit to the hadith so that we don't misuse and manipulate the hadith. Do you understand? You know those, there, there were unorthodox groups before in Islamic history. All of them have arguments from the Qur'an and from the words of the Prophet. You know that? They all, they're all using proofs that they are taking from the Qur'an. They're not quoting from the Gospel. That's not what they're doing. And yet their beliefs and their views are considered unorthodox in Sunni Islam. Does that make sense? It's not enough to just know the text, but it's to submit to it and say that I submit to this truth and I'm going to live my life in accordance to it and, I, and I'm willing to leave whatever I previously believed to submit to this. I will not hold the Qur'an to my standard. I will hold myself to the Qur'an standard. That's a, that's a very big difference. Right? Because we could bring the Qur'an to ourselves and we have the standard that we've set and then we read the Qur'an and we're like, I don't know about that. Meaning I'm not sure, I'm not convinced of it. 
Why? Because it doesn't mean what? It doesn't meet my standard. How do you know your standard is correct to begin with? What set your standard? Your upbringing in this part of the world? Really? Like that's the standard you're using the Qur'an against? Come on now. And so the believer comes to the Qur'an as a student to say to the Qur'an, allowing the Qur'an to shape the person's way of thinking about things. And that's a, that's a big challenge, that's a hard thing to do. And until we don't do that, we will live lives of misalignment. Because what you need, what our goal is, is to become people of integrity. What does that mean? That means everything about us is in alignment and everything ultimately aligns with the truth. Let me break that down. You have the truth with a capital T. And then you have your core beliefs. Your core beliefs must align with that truth. They must. That's the first alignment you need in your life. Is that my beliefs, it's not simple like aqidah only. You know, it's, all, it's about my beliefs about myself. My beliefs about the people around me. About life, about the world, about what's valuable and what's not valuable about what, what's actually moral and what's immoral, about what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. All of that, my beliefs about all of that have to align with the truth. Okay, the beliefs you hold will then, will then also translate to what? <coughs> to thoughts that you have. And then you will have words that you utter. The words that you utter must align with the thoughts and the beliefs that you hold. And then your actions must align with your words. Your actions, you must do what you say, and say what you do. And whatever you say must be reflective of what's in your heart, otherwise you're a hypocrite. And what's in your heart must be in alignment with your core beliefs, or pretty much the same thing, and then that must be in alignment with the truth. And we want to be people of alignment. Where do we sometimes lack alignment? Sometimes in our beliefs. Sometimes, and I, I should say that, we have a lot of deconstructing to do. A lot of deconstructing to do. Because we've constructed a lot of sandcastles that really need to be washed away by the ocean. The belief systems that many of us have developed over the over our childhood and growing up. Okay, beyond that, beyond that, sometimes the misalignment, it exists in our words. Why? Because we won't utter the truth. For many reasons. For many reasons. It could be that we're scared. It could be that we don't see it as a responsibility. We don't see it as a big deal. And then ultimately, our actions have to align as well. And it's so often that we see people who do not do what they say. And, you know, we could talk a lot about this, but we have to really value our words. The Muslim's word should be exactly what their actions will be. Far too often, we say things that we will not do. 
was far too often. We'll be there 6 o'clock and we're there 8 o'clock. No. We cannot be such people. It's not a big deal, Shaykh. No, it is. It absolutely is a big deal. What's the point of saying the words? What value do your words have if they're not going to correspond to your actions? They're meaningless. You might as well have said 3 a.m. Because it's all meaningless at that point. Right? If someone says, I'll be there. If, 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 if I say, I'll be there. If you say, you'll be there. The person that we say it to should not have to think twice. Should not have to be like, yo, make sure you remind them. Make sure you call them half an hour before. Make sure you ask them, are you on your way? Like, you know? How, how many of y'all know somebody like that? That when they say, I'll be there, you're like, okay, well, we'll see about that. How many of y'all? Show of hands. La hawla. Look how many hands are up, guys. This is terrible. This is, no, but like, you understand what I'm saying? And let me tell you what's really terrible is that we don't think it's a big deal sometimes. We actually think it's okay. Like, and if you call someone out for that, hey, like you said you're gonna be here six, it's 6.15, and they're like, chill bro, like well, it's not that serious. <clears throat> That's even worse. Look at this guy, like he's all like, you know, lunchtime monitor all of a sudden, like hey, he's 15 minutes late. No, 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 no. What you say must be what you do. And when you're younger, the consequences, unfortunately, may not be apparent. But as you get older, and you enter relationships, where the relationship is dependent on whether or not you will carry through with what you say, at times like that, for there to be misalignment, can have grave consequences on relationships. Sheikh, he tells me, he's going to be home 10 p.m. every single night. And it's always 12 p.m., midnight. Never home before midnight, Sheikh. He tells me 10 p.m. And it's midnight. Is it, can you respect somebody who when they say something, they don't do it? You can respect such a person who consistently will say something and not do it? Like, it's very hard to respect such a person. If you had a leader, if you had a leader that never does what they say, would you follow them? Eventually they say, listen, I, I, I don't even know what to follow. Should I follow what you do? Should I follow what you say? Because there's no alignment there. You know what? I'd rather just follow somebody else. Who at least has the integrity to say what they do and do what they say. Do you understand? Like, we really have to take this seriously, guys. And the crazy thing is, it's not easy. It's not easy. How many of y'all think it is, it is easy to stick to your word? Even like smaller things. How many of y'all think like it's easy? Anybody? Show of hands. It's hard. It's hard. Okay, what are some reasons? Let's explore. What are some reasons why people, people, why do people not do what they say? Yeah. Well, I can, I think, uh, I can think like culturally for weddings, for like Pakistanis, weddings and um, events, you generally go an hour later or like, you know, yeah. so maybe it's like culturally ingrained. Okay, yeah, that's an exception. Um, unfortunately, we have to make that an exception because I've, I've showed up on time. I showed up on time, I looked around, it was me and a few non-Muslims and we're looking at each other like, where's everybody? Nobody's here. 
And then you sit there for an hour and a half and you're like, this probably wasn't the best idea. But you can't change. It's, it's ajib that as a community, ajib means strange. It's strange that as a community we have this collective agreement that we're all going to be late. <laughs> and it's like, in my mind, what's the logical thing to do? If it's not 6, it's 7.30. Okay, let's, let's do 7.30. Nine, nine, nine. We can't do, nine, we can't do 7.30. We're just gonna, people are going to show up at 9. <laughs> Hold up. Where can we stop pushing the thing? Like, I don't know what to do. I really don't. Today was Jummah. In my Jummah khutbah, I talked about this. I said, guys, y'all can't be... We cannot do this. This is not a good thing. It's not a, something to be proud of. And then people like try to justify it with like, oh, we have a special standard time. No, you don't. You're late. That's what it's called. No other, no DST, no other uh, letters. And you're late. That's what it's called. And again, people might say it's not a big deal. I say, no, it absolutely is a big deal. Because you see yourself as somebody who thinks it's okay for there to be misalignment. And then... You ever, you ever heard the idea that the way you do one thing is the way you do all things? You're going to have lack of alignment here, and there'll be a little lack of alignment over here. And before you know it, nobody can trust you. Nobody can trust you. Nobody can give you a task. Right? Yeah, what are some other reasons? Yeah. Commitment issues. Tell me, like, what, are the, what's, what is that? Why is it hard to commit? I agree with you. I'm just looking for the deeper reason why someone might struggle committing. If they commit, what happens? They might not make it. Now that's the question I really want to ask. Why are they not making it? Yeah. Um, like over um, like agreeing to something and you don't know your limits and not being able to over overbooked yourself. Yes, some of us do that. We think like we're like superhuman beings. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, I'll be out of there in 15 minutes. 5 p.m. traffic? No, you won't. Juma Salah? Unlikely you'll be out in 15 minutes. No, you have to be realistic about it. You have to be realistic about it. And you should value your word. See, we, then we rely on excuses. Because we'll be like, yeah, there was traffic. There was, And I get it. At times there are these things that do arise. But it cannot be that consistently in our lives... At every turn, we're, we have some excuse of why we're not there, or, or why I didn't bring it, or why I didn't do it. So we have to learn to accept our limits. And actually learn, one of the things to learn is to learn how to say no. It's hard though, right? To tell somebody, actually, you know what, I'd love to do it, but knowing my schedule, I can't do it. And the crazy thing is, a lot of people would appreciate that actually. They would appreciate you saying no in advance so they don't even rely on you at all. Then for you to say yes in the moment to make them happy and they feel good for that moment, then the time of execution comes and that's when they're stressed. So it's learning to say no. They say, I can't do it. I'm sorry. No, I can't do it. But what's another reason why we can't, we, we don't do that? Yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. That's so true. How many of y'all feel that's true? That when it comes to a lot of non-Muslims, we are on time. It's a common, if you ever like hear about like planning that goes on in the masjids, 
this is the, the classic discussion there. They always say what? People don't double park and block people off at the mall. They only do it at the masjid, like you said. Right? And that's a very interesting idea. It's like an inferiority complex or something. Like those are people that we deserve or deserve to, for us to be civilized around. But around the rest of us, like with one another, it's no big deal. What do you mean like this person is not any less important? The masjid is not any less an important place to follow rules. Subhanallah. Right? Subhanallah. Yeah. Was there any more you wanted to add or anything? Anything more you wanted to add? I, I cut you off a little bit. I apologize. A fee, yo. That's what a lot of people don't want to like be late for. I don't want to lose 25 bucks or 45 bucks or whatever, so they just show up then. And then the reasons are often flimsy too, and that's what's sad. Right? It's that we we should be willing to inconvenience ourselves to uphold our word and to ensure that the other person is at ease. I'll be there at five. What should you do? If you're not doing anything, that afternoon you're just chilling. Right? That's, that is probably the worst thing that we have, is when someone's not even busy, and they're still late. They're not even busy, and they're still late. Someone's like, well, I don't want to show up too early. I might get there 10 minutes in advance. It's okay. I honestly believe it's okay. You'd rather be 10 minutes early than be 10 minutes late. And along the way, if you run into traffic, then alhamdulillah, you had a 10 minute buffer. We are buzzer beater show uppers that's what we are you know just show up right as the buzzer beater like boom you know that's what we are may Allah forgive us and it starts with these little things of the little words that we say to people I will do this I will be there consider it done right I got your back when we say these words our actions must follow our actions must follow don't say what you don't believe you don't believe something, just don't say it. Because now you're starting to live a lie. You're starting to live a lie. There's no correspondence and alignment within you. And so, the idea of humbling ourselves before the truth, and then making ourselves subservient to it, happens at the level of beliefs. Yes, our beliefs must, hum must submit to the truth. But then it has this ripple down effect into our thoughts and into our words and into our actions. And a person who develops alignment in all of this is a person of integrity. And that's what every Muslim has to seek out, you know, in becoming such a person. And there's a lot we could say about how do you do that. One of the important things here is that we have systems of accountability that we be comfortable holding each other to that. Do you value the friendship more? Like making them happy? Or do you value helping them become better people? It's a tough one. That's a tough one. Right? But may Allah give us the tawfiq and strength to be people 
who do not get offended when people hold us accountable for our mistakes. May Allah make us such that we are humble enough to admit when we're wrong. May Allah make us such that we are people who search for the truth and then attempt to live in alignment to that truth in everything that we say and do in our lives. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullahu khayran to everybody for coming out. Um, okay, inshallah, we're going to have some desserts. أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير